they see us rolling. They hate <laughs> patrolling. They trying to catch us podding dirty. We are America's most appropriated podcast, the Pod People. I'm old man doo-doo ass Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Ben Sheets, and uh, shopping carts to the left of me, Stephen Reed to my right, here I am, stuck in the windshield with you. <laughs> nice! Um, and uh, last, but uh, maybe, maybe not least, uh, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm here in my garage... <laughs> trying to show you my new lamborghini <laughs> just ignore the, the the body in the windshield yep well we're back at it again uh and this week we're going to be talking about ben's choice which is the 2007 film stuck the last feature-length film of the late great Stuart gordon who passed away recently we recently covered uh, another one of his classics, From Beyond. Uh, this film stars Mina Savari, Stephen Rea, Russell Hornsby, and Rukia Bernard. And it is based on the true story of a young woman who commits a hidden run and uh, finds her victim stuck in the windshield of her car. Now, I think the first thing to be asked, because I didn't do any research. I did. Uh, good. I'm glad someone did. Uh is this a, uh, a Fargo situation, or is this actually based on, tr actually, on a true? No, this based actually happened. Real story. Yes, this film is uh, based on the real life uh, incident of the murder of Gregory Glenn Biggs, who is a homeless man who got uh, hit by a young woman who was coming home from a party, and she was all fucked up, and he got stuck in her windshield, and she left him there for a couple of days until he died. Uh, obviously they did change some things. Yes. Uh, uh I was surprised though, and we'll get into this when we start talking about the, uh, the film proper, but I was surprised how few things they actually changed. Like some of the more ridiculous seeming events, uh, apparently did actually happen. Uh, like apparently she actually did go inside and have sex with her boyfriend right after hitting the dude and leaving him in her windshield. Apparently that was true. <laughs> um, hey, um, you know, sometimes you just you just can't help it. You get real hot and heavy, and you gotta go. And <laughs> that's right. You know the the adrenaline's I mean, she, yeah. going, and you gotta you gotta deal with it somehow, right? You know, she was on ecstasy too, so you know sometimes you just uh, you just gotta get one off. So. Ecstasy two, the sequel. Ex ecstasy two, the. I, I don't know where I was going with that. I don't either. I'm so sorry. Fuck, man. Um, uh, ben, you're the only one who's seen this movie before. Tell us a little bit about why you picked Stuck. Yeah, so uh, Stuart Gordon, you know, obviously recently passed away. And we covered uh, From Beyond, which I really enjoyed. I hadn't yeah. seen it before, though. And That was a new one for you know, all of With us. Stuart Gordon, the movies I hear talked about all the time are... From Beyond and Reanimator. You know, they don't really talk about much else besides that. And this movie I saw back in high school, and I was really impressed with it when I saw it. And I never hear it talked about. And I think it's a super underrated, like, modern exploitation movie. You know, it hits all of those buttons. It's so cleverly written. It's a lot of fun. 
yeah. fun it is. I really enjoyed this movie too. Not so, what I was expecting from Stuart Gordon. He's well known for his like Lovecraft adaptations, like you mentioned, uh, Reanimator and From Beyond, but also like Castle Freak and Dagon. And uh, I was not expecting this movie from Stuart Gordon, but I really liked it. Same. I enjoyed it a lot. It is definitely shot in 2007. It has yes. such a darkly comedic tone. I love how it sets itself up with the nursery home footage mixed with like a, a gangster rap, like M.O.P. sounding song over top of it. Yes, while these elderly people are taking their pills and playing canasta and whatnot. And we're introduced to our main character, uh, what's her name? Uh, Brandy, played by Mina Savari, um, who should be, uh, it should be noted that she does have uh, cornrows in this movie. Oh boy, doesn't she? And when it was first introduced uh, over this montage of old people uh, taking pills set to gangster rap, and we say, oh, haha, isn't that funny? The white nurse has cornrows. Ha 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 ha. And then it turns out that's the main character. <laughs> oh, yeah. We get the whole rest of the movie with, with her with that. We sure do. I think she's really good in this movie. I agree. I would. I will say that it is very hard to take her seriously with those cornrows. But that's part of the, the charm of the character. Yeah, yes. well, she's, yeah, for, she's, she's by, not, by charm, I mean, uh, approach, I, I don't know how to phrase that. No, but. I think charm is right, because she's not a very likable character, but, like, the cornrows just kind of, like, add to, like, what well, and, kind of a, like, well, yeah, because, like, I guess I the, think, the purpose of, like, her, her character by design is you're not supposed to take her seriously, which makes uh, her reaction to these events all the more, like, almost surprising and, and horrifying, that it's not a, a jigsaw holding our protagonist's uh, fate, you know, like over him. It's it's just it's a random nurse. It's just someone who works in old folks' home. Yeah, like, who has who has responded very badly to a bad situation. And you did mention, Cleve, that this is very two thousands, and that yeah. is a great example of it. You know, like white bitches with cornrows was a more acceptable yeah. thing in the 2000s. I suppose. Where Less I, likely to be called out for cultural appropriation back in those days. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, yeah I, I wouldn't even know to call it that now. I don't know if it is or isn't, but well, it, it, it sure... I, I'm just, I'm it just sure saying is it, a looks, look. <laughs> it looks pretty tacky uh that uh, aesthetically i uh, that that I, I i can i think say from a position of any well, anything i think i think in I fairness uh the 2000s were a pretty tacky time kind of carrying over from the 90s we also have to consider that uh her boyfriend rashid uh the first time we see him He's wearing a snakeskin fedora. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, oh, man, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, oh, 2000s boy. fashion. Because, is, wow. I, yeah, I think I would absolutely Incredible. say that all that kind of stuff is very much a part of this film's charm. I think I could get five whole people to sign my bring back snakeskin fedoras petition. But uh, anyway, yeah, so we see uh, we see Mina Savari at her at her shitty job, literally shitty job one of the first things we see is her having to clean up which after old man doo-doo ass i'm not a fan of gratuity gotta say i thought it was really effective 
in a lot of circumstances, I would be pretty, I would be super put off by, by seeing something like that in full. By, by all that dookie. Yeah. <laughs> but here, I think it, it does a great job of setting the tone for, well, for yeah. her character and where she's at. Like, I, th- I thought it was, it was a pretty good use. I would, I would actually agree because right after that, the head nurse or administrator of the nursing home or whatever, her boss comes in and is telling her like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I want to move you up to head in a, but I need you to come come in tomorrow and she's like oh but i came in last saturday and it's my only day off she's like oh well then i guess you don't really want the gig you know so it's like we see that she's having to put up with literal shit (laughs) at her literally shitty job and like to get probably what is a uh very minuscule pay grade for the amount of responsibility that she's going to have. I think that uh, this movie is a really fantastic use of like the horrors of uh, bureaucracy. Yes. Yeah. And, and also al- wage slavery. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of class struggle stuff yes. in it. You know, like the whole inciting incident and Mina Savari not doing anything is because. She doesn't want to risk not getting her promotion. Right. Well, and segueing into uh, Stephen Rea's character, he is having uh, the worst day of his life, pretty much. I love how little we get about his background. It's enough to just, like, see the shit that he's having to put up with. He, like, gets kicked out of his apartment or wherever the, the room he's renting can't even take his suitcase with him because he has to run from the landlord with his clothes on his way to a job interview. And we just see, like, the fucking bullshit bureaucracy that he has to put up with at the job interview, them not having his name in the system right, then being told that he needs to fill out a form that he's already filled out, and just, like... Man, I was expecting him to start slow dancing down some stairs to some cello any minute. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, like in the, that movie that came out recently. The the Batman one. The Joaquin Phoenix was in. Oh, the Joker? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I That's forgot it. about that movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's about that. So that was a, that was a, a, a modern you, pop culture reference. That's how you do those, right? Dancing down the stairs to Gary Glitter is yeah, what you should have said. Yeah, not cello. Isn't it? No. No, it's oh. Gary Glitter. You haven't actually well, you seen haven't the seen movie. It, so like- Correct. <laughs> I'm trying to reference a movie you haven't seen. <laughs> That's why I didn't understand your reference. Get I didn't into know the what Cleveland the zone, referencing things he doesn't know much about. <laughs> it's true cuz I uh I don't I don't I don't uh, follow much pop culture. That's what happens when I try to make pop culture references. You can leave all of that in. Oh, I will. <laughs> You've already given me enough to edit out this Do episode. It. Do I, it. I really love the whole setup with the job interview. He gets there in the in the brink of time, right at one o'clock when his you know interview is set for one. Holding all of his clothes in his arms, he goes up to the the receptionist, you know, saying, "Oh, my interview's at one. Can I get in?" And she's demanding that he sits and waits. Yes, and, I mean, she's politely you know. insisting. He's the one who's just sort of cycling back at that point. Well, I I think there's a clear disdain in the way she talks to him. Yes. You know how she mentions multiple times to make sure you hold on to the the clothes and stuff. Oh yeah, keep them on your person. Uh, yeah, and that's true. But you know, it's that kind of like 
vicious cycle where like she's just doing her job and she's having to put up with all of these people but these people are also having to put up with her and it just kind of like feeds itself it's like it's the, she it's the broken chain you she know. doesn't she doesn't have any control of when people get into the interview it depends on the people who are interviewing but she still has to put up with the people who like steven rea who wants to get into his interview on time understandably so it's like who's really at fault here it's the system man that's right it's the that system the system it's that broken, broken chain of accountability and we've that's all right. had to deal with it yeah well they that's the true horror he, of stuck man isn't it and just life yes <laughs> he sits in that room for like three hours after, and we see a montage of just everyone leaving and when they finally call his name they uh they say brado instead of bardo it's like a tiny thing like, you w- wouldn't catch it if you're not paying attention. And he corrects her, and then he goes in, and he's not in the system because they misspelled his fucking last name. And so they have such a funny, circular argument. You can't get an interview if you're not in the system. <laughs> yeah, I funny is not the word I would use. That shit is, like, way too real and depressing. <laughs> like... You really feel bad for him, and honestly, this is the uh, this is the first time in any movie that I've seen Stephen Rea in where I've felt more than disdain for him. Don't think that's his fault as an actor. He's just been in a lot of movies that I've really hated. Yeah, well, I think Stuart Gordon does a great job with all of the actors in this yes. movie, and really helps elevate a lot of performances from actors that are. A little uneven, to say the least. Stephen Ray is a great example yeah. of that. Um, I think he does a great job in this. Yeah, movie. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I, I love this whole sequence because it does a great job of breaking the trope of the uh, like the person like running from their landlord, you know, like trying to not get evicted. And normally in other other films, like they come back with the job and they're able to pay their rent. Right. Or whatever, and in this circumstance, it's no, it's the reality of it. Like he's yeah, he's, well, he's trying to like get away so he can get this job, and of course he doesn't. And of course he's like he's he out didn't on the even street. Get, he didn't even get the interview. He just had a fucking circular argument about whether he was actually scheduled for an interview, and then forced to fill out the same enormous packet of paperwork that he's already done. And then he's he's homeless, you know, and he keeps getting shit on going to the park, trying to sleep in the park, being told that uh, by the cops that he can't sleep there. Try the mission. Oh, but the mission is like on the other side of town. Well, better start walking. Fucking a cab. <laughs> I will say the the homeless guy that he meets in yes. the park is awesome. The world's coolest homeless guy who uh, helps him and uh, tells him uh, in a very knowing and kind of spooky way. Oh, I'll be seeing you again. And he sure does. He gave him a shopping cart, too. He did give him a shopping cart. So he can level up as a homeless person. That's right. Start collecting them cans, baby. Uh, but yeah, he we do see the homeless guy again later uh, once, uh, you know, Stephen Ray is dangling out of uh, the front of a windshield. Because uh, he gets swiped by uh mina savari who is drunk and high on her way home from the club and uh isn't paying attention to the road and ooh hits him real hard do do you remember the name of the club it was something real 2007 oh i was not paying attention to that at all yeah 
Yeah, that scene where he gets hit is so brutal. You see both of his shins snap. In slow motion. The slow-mo of him Blood just spray. going into the, the windshield. It's really well done. Yeah, that's that's the point of the movie where they remind you that like Stuart Gordon is primarily like a horror director when uh, we get to some of that. Because like, you know, you could absolutely argue that this film is more of like a thriller, but man, like it does not pull any punches with the gore. No, it definitely gets a, a horror rating because of the gratuity, most definitely. Well, yeah, we we see both of his shins snap backwards when he gets hit, and I'll talk about that more later. But um, yeah, the, the use of violence is definitely enough to take yeah. this film into into the horror category. Because mm-hmm. I was I was wondering the same thing. Like while we we're working our way into it, I was like, how how is this going to go horror? Like how is this going to go the horror route? And I was like, oh, by execution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's survival horror in it, the most literal it sense. It really is. You know, the difference between something like this and something like 127 hours is, I think, not only the extremity but also kind of the nihilistic bent to it. Mina Safari's character is so focused on herself and her situation that she can't see the depravity that she's causing in a lot of respects. Well, I think for a little while, you can explain that off as she's in shock. But eventually, yeah, like, she's absolutely, like, beyond the point of, like, making bad decisions because she's in shock. I think there's still, like, a little bit of of sympathy you can have with her, like, when she first hits him and she just tries to get back to the house and, like, put the car in the garage and try to figure out, like, what to do. And, you know, then her boyfriend gives her more booze and drugs and they end up having sex and she forgets about, uh... Well, she doesn't forget. Well, no, because yeah, we she... have this amazing sequence where she's, you know, she's having sex and she keeps seeing Stephen Ray's face coming through the windshield and she starts screaming during yeah. sex. And her boyfriend's just like, "Oh yeah, you like that, baby," and she's like, "Ah!" I thought I did, that was hilarious. I that was, yeah, I did think that was pretty funny. It, it's such a dark streak of comedy throughout this movie. Yeah, it's 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 the comedy of the absurd because like it's so dark and fucked up. You don't know what else to do other than laugh. It just gets really weird. And, you know, I think that I think that certain things are are definitely played for laughs. Yes. Um, And and I appreciate that. Yeah. Another great example is uh, the day after she goes into work and, you know, immediately realizes I can't stay here. I need to do something about right. this. And so she goes to her friend that works there who's helping another patient and she's uh, clipping her toenails and she oh, surprises yeah. her and you get this brutal shot of like a toenail snapping in half essentially. And the old woman who who plays this uh, elderly character is just fantastic. Oh, she yeah, she gives, you know, this really pissed off diatribe about you know how she could lose her foot old people lose their feet right, when all the time yeah uh, <laughs> and she just goes off and uh it's just another great example of like Stuart Gordon just expertly like meshing like gross out brutality with 
a really dark comic edge. Yeah, I like how yes. over I like how over the top a lot of the characters are, and I like how like Stephen Rea is like the the one like sort of grounding character that keeps things from getting too ridiculous. I do really like um, uh, Russell Hornsby's performance as as Rashid, her boyfriend. I love the scene when she goes to his house and finds him with another woman in his bed, and she pulls a dirty cast iron skillet out of the sink and hits the other woman in the face. <laughs> and just throws like her a cartoon, out into the like, hallway. Yeah, throws, completely naked. Yep, throws her out in, onto her ass in the hallway naked. And there's just like an old guy standing out there just like, <laughs> just kind of like blank face looking on. That shit's really great. And also how Rashid like talks a big game about like how he's a gangbanger or whatever, how he's killed literally thousands of people. And like, she tries to go get his help to go like kill the, the homeless man stuck in her windshield. And as soon as he's confronted with that, like his, his like tough exterior, like kind of crumbles and he's just kind of like fumbling. He's like, Oh uh, yeah, no, I've, I, I've done it. I've done it thousands of times. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's real easy, like... <laughs> it's obvious that he's never dealt with anything like this before. I really liked that element. Feels like uh, his bluff is being called in real time, and it's it's funny to watch. Uh, yeah, so many, like, wonderful little comedies of error. Like, uh, him talking to the dispatch uh, uh, person over the phone uh, and realizing he has, he has no, like relevance to his whereabouts just he's in a garage somewhere yeah don't know I, where. I think that, oh, yeah. that sequence is great and you know that's not the only time we, where we see like the banality of like these bureaucratic phone systems you know like at one point mina savari calls 911 to try to you know get help and she gets this automated answering machine tree that goes on and on and on. Oh, and she tries to call the hospital and it tells her to call 911 and then lists all of these other options because she doesn't want to call 911. That's a really good point. Or when the little Hispanic kid from next door, like, hears Steven Rea, like, honking the horn in the garage and, like, goes and sees him and, like, goes to get his mom to get help and then... Uh, they get stopped by the dad who's like, we can't call the cops. Like, do you want to get deported? Like, do you want, they're going to call immigration on us. And it's like, yeah, you're probably right. That is how that would happen. It's like, there's so many times where Steven Ray is like almost saved, but he ends up being screwed over because of some dumb, like evil bureaucracy. Yeah. He's that, just like, a constant victim of circumstance. Yeah. Just horribly unlucky. Horribly Holy unlu shit. unlucky. Uh, it just goes on and on. So many examples of him almost getting someone's attention. For example, she calls a cab. Oh, Mina yeah. Savari calls a cab to go to work because she obviously she can't drive her fucking car to work. And as she's getting into the cab, Stephen Ray's you know pushing the horn. The uh, the cabbie is like, you want some help fixing it? Those horns mess up all the time. Yeah. He's played by uh, Mr. Leahy from Trailer Park Boys oh, yeah. in a great little character performance. You know, he gets so close to seeing what happened, but she uh, goes in and knocks him out before 
two you can four. get to it. Or like when the other neighbor comes by with his Pomeranian that gets off the leash and like runs into the garage where like Stephen Ray has managed to like crawl onto the floor. And we've got this little dog just like licking at his like exposed shin bones. Uh, it's so it's so hard to watch, but it's, it's so, so hilarious. Funny. It's at so the same funny, time. but so gross. Yeah, it's oh, man, that's one of those really brutal parts. Another one is like when he's uh trying to pull himself through the windshield so he can reach her phone and he's impaled on the windshield wiper and he's like stuck and so he's trying to like pull it out of his gut and it's just like just sits on it in this really gory close-up of him like trying to pull this sharp piece of plastic out of his guts yeah very hostile or uh saw-esque yeah like uh a, a lot of the the violence in this film like it has i think the same weight to it because it's a character like trapped in an environment trying to escape you know by horrific man. means yeah we were uh we were still kind of uh in the wave of torture porn by then yeah I we're think. in the meat and of it in 2007 there's definitely uh a lot of those elements in this movie which mm -hmm. uh yeah which is definitely what pushes into like the horror thriller mm -hmm. territory and, and i love it you know it's just an incompetent jigsaw yes like who's <laughs> responsible for all of it like like instead of this like mastermind or whatever that's like torturing this person or like a hostile situation where it's a strange like mastermind ring of like like torture tourists it's it's just a lady just uh, yeah. just someone who wants to keep their job just a regular person, and I, I, I appreciate the shit out of that. I, uh, that was a great. regular person who is unwilling to take responsibility for what she's done, because mm -hmm. that's what she keeps telling Stephen Rea is, I, it's not my fault, it's your fault, you did this. Yeah, it's just the banality of evil, the movie. It's like, you should have you been paying attention to where you were going when, like, she was she was on, texting she was tech yeah she was she on was her texting. phone yeah she drove she, through a red too right exactly every time she comes back and keeps telling me she's like oh no don't worry help is coming i called somebody it's just like oh fuck <laughs> i felt i felt for him in ways that i haven't felt or in ways that i i don't feel for characters in like saw movies yeah. you know like especially just because we spend so long at the beginning of the movie before he even gets hit, just like observing him being like beaten down by life, just having the absolute worst day that ends in the worst way, you know? But boy, doesn't he get justice? He gets justice, justice at the end. Street justice. He gets or garage justice. Garage justice. The movie. I will use that until we can get in into that. We'll use it as a segue to talk about like the one thing that this movie did that like really uh, broke my suspension of disbelief in kind of a bad way. It's when he starts walking around on his broken shins. <sighs> it feels very exploitation movie esque, which is fitting for this because like in those type of movies. You definitely have to suspend your disbelief. And this movie has all the hallmarks of, like, a classic exploitation movie. You know, ripped from it the does. headlines, larger than life. It does. I just, uh, I feel like they could have done it in a way that would have maintained my suspension of disbelief and wouldn't have made me notice it. Like, if just one of his shins had, like, shattered... 
then I would say, okay, because, well, you know, he builds himself, he makes himself a splint, and he makes himself a crutch, and he's hobbling around. But in that shot where he gets hit, we very clearly see, like, both of his shin bones break backwards. Clean breaks all the way through. No way you'd be able to put any weight on either of those legs. No. And then he's, you know, by the end, he's hobbling around with a broom crutch and, like, putting very much weight on his legs. Yeah. And if they had just done one of them, it would have been one thing, but, like, I... Yeah, it's I, like, adrenaline is one thing, but there's also just there's physics. There's physics, yeah. Like, like you, you just, you can't, you can't stand upright on, like, a shattered foundation. Like, there's, there's nothing there for it. Like, a broom crutch isn't enough. And just, like, from passing out from the pain, like, repeatedly, which he does do. Yes. But, yeah, that, that can only go so far. And, like, right? that's that's the only thing, and, it, and that doesn't happen until pretty late in the movie, so it's not, like, a huge deduction as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, like, we still would have seen one leg get shattered, and, like, okay, we just know yeah. there's a good leg there. You know, he could... He could hobble about with a crutch but but i do i do love that it's at a movie a, at, that at a certain point he which is why i don't want to dwell on that too long Same. it's why that's uh it, it's very satisfying to see him sort of take his own justice into his own hands rather than he spends the whole movie trying to get help from various people who almost help him but nobody's doing it so he just fucking does it himself he fucking stabs Rashid in the eye with a pen when he comes out to try to smother him with a with a plastic bag that was very cool and then he uh defeats Mina Savari in a spectacular way I, I love both of those sequences. You know, the Rashid sequence is really brutal. Rashid is planning on smothering him or you yeah. know, he has a he has a gun too that he's thinking about using, which is uh cleverly, you know, used later. Yeah, well, um, uh, Mina Savari tells him not to use the gun because they're in a residential area and that somebody will hear it, which Rashid doesn't like because if he want, if he's going to kill the dude, he wants it to just be like quick and easy. And it's it's really his distaste for it that gets him killed because he's not paying attention. But yes, the gun comes back in a fantastic way at the very end. Are we ready to talk about that? Or yes. Or do we have other stuff we want to get into? Uh, I don't. Mina Savari uh, sort of reaches a hysterical breaking point and goes out to the garage and uh, just starts dumping gas all over Stephen Rea and Rashid's body and the car and everything all the time screaming about how this isn't my fault, it's your fault, you're a crazy person, you broke in here and you killed my boyfriend and then you set the garage on fire. And um, he uh, manages to uh, get into the car while she's in front of it and and breaks her legs by driving her into the into the back wall, which is so satisfying. Uh, I I even made a note uh, that the unstuck has become the stucky. <laughs> I thought at that point that there was going to be like a little bit of time where like she was stuck there and like there was some interaction with her like trying to get out of there while Steven Rea has like wandered off. But oh no no. Uh, yeah we get just the perfect amount with her just asking for help and he just sort of looks at her like are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like after all this right well and then doesn't 
I've forgotten exactly how the final sequence of events goes. Like, he has a match that he's about to drop. It's a box of matches. A box of matches, and, like, he's about to set her on fire, and then the match goes out. And then what actually does start the fire? Doesn't she have the gun? And she yes, tries to that's shoot right. him. She tries to yeah. shoot. Yeah, she has Rashid's gun. She tries to shoot him. A spark from the muzzle flare ignites the gas and sets the whole garage on fire, uh, taking her with it. While Stephen Rea hobbles off on and his shattered legs. And I know you had legs. problems with him hobbling off, but what what a visual! Oh, perfect! Um, yeah, yeah, great yeah, visual. No complaints. The, like from either of us. Garage on fire. Yeah. I don't have a. I don't have a problem with burning that. in the background. It's such great imagery. I agree. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with them breaking their own rules to get to that point. You just need, like, one leg to shatter and you're good. Right. That's all all I'm saying. Yes, like, him him hobbling off into the night is, uh, with the, the garage burning behind him, is very triumphant, despite the fact that, like, what is he gonna do from there? Where, where is he gonna go? Not be dead. Not be dead, but still homeless, still without a job, and now with multiple wounds. Yeah, a lot of medical bills, debt. Yeah. yeah I, the movie ends before you have too much time to think about that. Well, you know, right, because you what, don't want to spend too much time thinking talk about, about it. The movie, talk like about the, the ending bulk of the your movie filmography with the bang. Like, what a great sequence to Literally. go out on. Also, I am really glad that we do get kind of a triumph at the end of, like, him getting away and, like, Mina Savari getting, like, what's coming to her, because the real story is considerably more sad because he did just sit in a garage for a couple of days until he died, and the only reason they caught the woman who did it is because she was literally bragging about it at a party several years later. That's way, way, way bleaker. Whoa, yeah, yeah, that is. Dang, that's wretched it's it's the perfect ending for an exploitation movie because it's you know the morality tale even though the film has such a a nihilistic streak to it you do get that sort of justice that comes with these type of movies and uh you yeah you get a you get a justice you know on top of that you see the Hispanic mother and the son coming to help him too. Yes. You know, you see that once he actually took the action himself, he got the support of the others that were standing dormant before. I uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I I like to think that they'll go on to like help him and take care of him in some regard. Because, uh, like, while I agree there is a justice gained at the end, the injustice of the system that put these characters into this position, into these positions, there's uh there's nothing to be done about that. Like that still exists. There, there's no victory in that regard. But um, at least he burned it down like Seth Rollins. Burn it down! <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the story, it's you know, it's justice and triumphant for, sure. for him. You know, I'm not talking structurally because obviously we see the structures and how fucked up they are through the movies. Stuart Gordon really you know, intelligently emphasizes all of that, you know? 
Yeah, I do appreciate his analysis of those things. That's why I say it's a justice that is one. Maybe not totally justice, but uh, hell yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very fun movie, and uh, it, it ends in a spectacular way befitting uh, the characters and the events of the movie. And uh, in that regard, I have absolutely no complaints. Big same. Do you guys want to rate? I think it's time. Sure. Okay. Ben, well, this was your pick. Sure, Why yeah, don't you start? I'll start. Uh, I think this movie is great. I think it's super underrated. Stuart Gordon does a great job not only directing actors that can be a little hit or miss to give excellent performances. Mina Savari is great in this movie. Stephen Ray is great in this movie. But also, he writes a really clever script with this, with a lot of setups and payoffs, bits of super dark humor and brutality. I think this is a really great movie. I am obligated to not give it a better score than From Beyond, because... Uh, I would feel weird about doing that because I think they're both great, but I can't say one is necessarily better. So I'm going to give it the same score as I did from beyond. And that's going to be a four out of five. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it the same. Um, I really liked this movie. It was refreshing to uh, see Stephen Rea in a movie that I liked uh, so I could appreciate his acting ability because I do think he's a good actor. And uh, yeah, Mina Savari is great in this as well, just to re-emphasize everything that you've said. You know, the aesthetic is maybe a little bit dated. It's very, very... Extremely dated, but that's part of the charm. 2007. I like the design of everything. Uh, I think the script is really clever. Nothing spectacular to be said of the cinematography, but the effects are very good. A lot of blood in this one. Some really nasty, gruesome practicals. And uh, a cute dog uh, licking some exposed bone. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to give it a four out of five as well. Well, to finish things off, uh, I think there are a lot of films out there. Uh, a lot of great films. There that are a lot of films out there. Discover uh, that have. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, uh, there are a lot of great films out there that have covered the themes of the banality of evil and the horrors of a bureaucracy and that broken chain of accountability. But uh, I think this film does so with great execution and had me uh, uh, standing up and cheering at the end. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I didn't know anything about it going in. I had no expectations, e- even low, and I was also kind of scared going into this one because the last film that uh, Ben picked was The Greasy Strangler. So, uh, you know, I was worried it was going to be another one of those. I was, a little, I was a little terrified, to be honest, and was quite pleased. I had a great time. Thank you, Ben. It's a similarly weird, you know, an offbeat yes. movie. It is. Um, but it is weird much and offbeat. different. Quite. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I thought it, I thought it was a lot of fun, and I'm going to also mirror your scores, uh, making it a unanimous for pods. One Yeehaw. thing that Yeehaw I indeed. want to talk about really Yeehaw quickly indeed. before we wrap up here is uh, there's one line in the movie. Rashid talks about how people think you know the cops are watching everything, but in reality, uh, you know you can do whatever to whoever. And get away with it. And he's like, look at the person who's president right now. And it feels so prescient because, you know, this movie came out in 07 during Bush. And it could easily apply to Trump just in the same way. 
Yeah, no, it's very true. That is, uh, there are some things about this movie that have not aged well, but I think the uh, the underlying message and themes uh, still hold up very, very well. Agreed. Because uh, it's been 13 years, but not a lot has changed, has it? And a lot of the things that have, have changed for the worse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> it, it feels weird looking back at... Uh, Cornrows uh, and uh, uh, snake snakeskin fedoras and feeling nostalgia, folks. Oh, That's boy. a weird ass feeling. Well, and speaking of weird ass feelings, yeah, let's talk about our sponsor this week. Who is it? Well, this week, uh, uh, my my dear friends and and uh, and listening family, as if you're a listener, you're 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 a family. You you are. Where are we all? And so uh, this week is brought to you by uh, Harry Hanglefort's fantastic, lovely. You know what it's about. Uh, anti-homeless windshield spray. Oh. You tired of, of, of running, of, of, of hitting and not being able to, to run? Don't be tired anymore, because you can just spray it right on your windshield and uh, don't have to worry about uh, vehicular manslaughter. Because remember, everybody, homeless people are more like bugs than people. No! Just to be scared off the windshield. <laughs> no, that's not in the that's not in the, the, the prompt. Oh, oh, weird, no. it has your signature on it. No, it does not! No, it does not. It oh, sure, weird, I'm looking at it, it right sure I'm looking at it why, now. Why are these letters forming in blood? Oh, no. <laughs> and it says, it oh, says God. homeless people aren't people love Cleveland T-Motion. That's weird. That wasn't there a minute that's ago. Pretty, that's uh, pretty weird. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know where that came from. It could have been the sponsor shelf. Um, uh, better, well, it's starting to glow. I, I'd, I'd better stop talking now. I think it's about time. It's about that time. All right. Well, next week, it is my choice, and I thought long and hard about what to pick. And you know what? This time, I'm going to be the one picking something difficult to watch. I figured it's time that we initiate Cleveland, so we're going to watch Eraserhead next week. Hell yes. Hell yes. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Our first David Lynch on the podcast, and your first David Lynch, period, Cleveland? Is that right? Uh, you said you've seen The Elephant Man, right? Yeah, I've seen The Elephant Man. Okay. I, and love The Elephant Man. The Elephant Man rules, not super indicative of David Lynch's style. Um, Have you seen David Lynch's Dune? I have also seen David Lynch's Dune. Okay, also not indicative of David Lynch. <laughs> 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 on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum, I have, not indicative I have un- of David Lynch. I have unfortunately seen that film, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, don't expect either of those movies for Eraserhead. Okay, uh, I will leave my expectations in the middle then. Yeah, there you go. Because one of those films I love, one of those films I do not expect love. Expect fun for the whole family. Okay. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I can't wait. How wholesome. Well, until then, if you like the show, share an episode with someone you know and leave us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love that rhyme. Smash those five stars, baby. All five. All five of them. Yeah. If it's less than five, then I ain't got time for that kind of jive. Oh, Uh, not good rhyme. uh, I I didn't like that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> the previous one was good though but well whatever uh <laughs> you can follow us on twitter at pod people pod or at letterbox.com slash pod people pod for a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those corresponding episodes you can follow me on twitter at deep state ozzy if it tickles your fancy i'm on twitter at mr sheets and I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studio as we continue to work on its stairs back. And yes, we are still working on it. And uh, it's coming right the fuck along, frankly. Come check us out on Steam, man. Or join our Discord via the Light Arc website. And uh, you can also see my work on ArtStation. Um, uh, just search Cleveland Mosier, ArtStation, and you'll find it. I'm right there. Just waiting to show you all of my pictures, paintings, and and other doodles uh <laughs> and if you like those doodles and you want one yourself shoot me an email contact me via that uh, same that same place and you could maybe get one of your own commissions are open as of the re- this recording and i'm having a great time doing those for a living yeah thank you <laughs> all right well thanks as always for listening until next time Remember to keep your wiper fluid refilled. You never know what you might end up with smeared across Just your windshield. keep your fluids refilled in general. Those are important. Keep them fluid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>